Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Well, hello and welcome back to The Fruit Pursuit. Today's episode, number 36, is called The Good Life. I find it interesting that this is the episode that I chose for the time that we're currently in. So if you're listening to this currently, I want you to know that I chose goodness to be the focus for April two years ago, and it's been the focus of April ever since. So if you're listening to this in April of 2020, while we are in various stay-at-home, shelter-in-place, quarantine situations, I want you to know that um, I think it's just as interesting that God orchestrated the timing of this subject as much as you might. And I'm excited to talk about the good life, the goodness of God and how we can demonstrate that God is good and how we can share his goodness with the people around us. Additionally, due to um, stay-at-home orders, all of my kids are currently in the house while I'm uh, recording a podcast. So if you hear things in the background like uh, dishes being washed off in the distance, uh, that's what's going on. All the kids are diligently doing various things in the house. And we are navigating this this season of being all together in the same house all day, every day, just like a lot of you. And so I appreciate your patience and your perseverance and and your willingness to be flexible here. But let's talk about the good life. I've I've this comes up because I've wondered about this idea of being free in Christ. The the idea of being a slave to sin and now alive to Christ, honestly for years, I didn't understand how I was free in Christ. How do you go from being a slave to one thing to a slave to the other, and that be something that you consider freedom? And to take that a step further, how is it that choosing to follow and obey Christ is freedom in spite of sometimes feeling like we just have this different set of rules we have to follow? How does it all fit into this idea of this being a good life? What what um, what about this is considered abundant? I think of the verse that it talks about in the Bible of Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So when I'm interacting in various circumstances, in today's circumstances especially, it's hard to understand how any of this... Um, could be could feel like a good life considering the pain and suffering and difficult situations that so many people are facing. So today I want to dig in and kind of discuss this perspective of the of a fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is goodness, that's often misunderstood. You see, seeing the goodness of this life, 
I have come to realize includes having a proper perspective of our condition without Christ. And because he's not right there next to us, staring us in the face, I think it can be easy to forget the and have an accurate perspective of our condition without Christ. You see, the good life is having an option out of slavery, out of sin, that, that doesn't end in eternal death. I often think that, you know, I have... I've thought before that I have all these choices, right? All these choices in life. I'm free to choose one path or another. And now that I've chosen to follow Christ, it's one of many choices that I could have made. And now that I've chosen this, it kind of forces me into this particular mold. And as a result, it feels constricting and kind of like a trap. And I wonder if there's any of you that have ever felt that way before, that sometimes Following Jesus feels less like freedom and more like a trap. But the problem is, is our faulty perspective. A better perspective would be a couple of different analogies that I've come to really appreciate in my life. And I'm going to share both of them with you in hopes that it'll help you see how Christ is freedom as well. So one perspective would be, I don't know if any of you have ever read like choose your own adventure books where you get to a particular point in the story and the character has two choices to make. And it says, you know, if you want to walk across the bridge, then you go to page 46. And if you want to go through the door, you go to page 57. And you can you can choose either path. But sometimes I would read, this, read those books and after a series of choices, one path, like, would the path would always lead to the the character dying or something bad happening and it often felt like that there was only one choice that ended up leading to life that it ended up leading to success all the others ended up leading to failure one path led to success and so i'd read one option no 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 that one leads to death i'm going back and looking and i'm going to pick the other choice okay this one leads towards life wait no death all right so i'll pick this choice and as you move forward in the story trying to find the path that leads to life that leads to a happy ending in the story leads to success or finding the treasure or whatever the story happened to be so i think of christ as being that that singular path that yes, there might be all kinds of other choices that we can make out there. But the end of those paths is death. There's only one path that leads to life. And that's Christ. That's him in our life. And while it doesn't look like freedom, if we didn't have that path to choose, it would feel so wouldn't we feel so trapped? We would feel trapped in it doesn't matter which path I choose, they all lead to death. That is a trap. But because Christ came and died and was buried and was and rose again on the third day and took our sins on him on the cross and that and paid for them with his blood, we have a path to life. And in the story of choose your own adventure, we do get to choose, and there is an option to choose life. My other analogy that I think of is if you've ever pictured a wild animal trapped in a cage, I think of it kind of maybe like 
I don't know what kind of animal you picture yourself. Uh, maybe a bunny rabbit or a puppy dog, or maybe you picture yourself rather wild. And so you're like a tiger in a cage ready to pounce out. But if you picture yourself trapped in this cage, like a wild tiger or a wild animal of some sort, and you're trapped, you can do whatever you want in that cage, but no matter what you want, there's no escape from it. And yet Christ says that he is the door that we can walk through. And so if we follow this analogy forward and we, and we see that Christ is the doorway, that we can go through the door, but in order to, to get out of the cage, we have to go through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have to acknowledge that He is the only way out of the cage. Then it becomes freedom. Christ becomes freedom. Christ becomes the way to abundant life and the good life, which is on the outside of the cage. Now, you can you you have a choice. You're free to stay in the cage, right? Or you're free to leave. Christ makes a way out. He makes a way of escape. And so if you want to leave, you can choose to go through Christ to get out. And I think this is such a a, a great analogy to understanding why in our circumstances today, this is a good, abundant life. I want you to think about that that analogy of the being trapped in the cage. And I'm going to read Romans 6. You know, it sounds kind of confusing when we when I've read Romans 6 before, but when I think of it in context of this cage, it starts to make a lot more sense to me. So see what you think. I'm actually going to read um, a good portion of the chapter. And you see what you think about how it relates if you picture yourself in sin as being trapped in this cage. Okay, so Romans 6 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So if you picture, I know that God Christ has opened this door. How can we decide that we want to stay in that cage? Verse 3 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive unto God in Jesus Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. 
which to me reminds me of like, don't act like you're living in a cage anymore. You aren't. God has set you free. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death into life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will not have dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. You're out of that cage, right? Verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Are you still supposed to act like you're in the cage, even though he's been, he's let you out, he's set you free? By no means, says verse 15. Verse 16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin became obedient to the heart, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as, of, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, like righteousness wasn't available. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its ends eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when I read this chapter and see it in the context of, I've been set free from the cage of sin. And it's Christ who set me free, set me free, excuse me. And I'm on the outside of the cage. I don't want to act like I'm living in a cage trapped anymore, enslaved to sin. I want to live like I'm alive to God. And I'm grateful for his willingness to set me free. So this is the perspective that a good life means having an option out of slavery and eternal death. God gave us that that option out. That is the good life. That is abundance. We're free from that cage of sin. The second thing about a good life is that the good life means we don't long to get back in the cage. We're delighted to be out. Galatians 5, 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I I think of, you know, it's pretty obvious that you wouldn't want to live in a cage, and yet if you've ever seen an animal that's lived in a cage all its life, they that's what they're familiar with, and they long to go back to what they're familiar with. But the Bible is saying, hey, wait a minute, don't do that. I know that that this is different, but don't submit to that again. Learn a new way of living. This is the good life over here, even though it's uncomfortable, even though you're learning new, new skills and new ways of living. 
Um, But I want you to see that we can see this life as good, abundant, and free if we think of it in a context of a story that happens in our family on a regular basis. My son Jefferson has this interesting scale. It got set up in regards to food, and I think you'll find it a little bit amusing, but I think if I explain it to you, you can see how it helps us really see that this is the good life. He, like when he was younger, he wanted to know on a scale of one to 10, how healthy a food was, except that he had a hard time understanding what was at number one and what was at 10. And so when he was small, he decided that the scale should be on a, on a scale of sewage to kale. How healthy is this food? We kind of laugh because if you're going to give any answer other than sewage to kale, that means you have to give a different food in the middle. And we hadn't come up with a scale of various foods and how they rate compared to each other. And so gradually this just became a family joke for any kind of rating. So on a scale of sewage to kale, how much do you want to do this trip? On a scale of sewage to kale, how much did you enjoy that movie? But I think in in this circumstance, it's actually really helpful because what we can see is that the sewage is the equivalent of the alternative to the good life, which is death and slavery to sin. So anything that we are experiencing in life doesn't come anywhere close to that end of the scale, does it? In fact, I would bet that the house that you live in is great, especially if the alternative is death and slavery. The house that you live in is a good life. In fact, even a mud hut or something made out of cardboard would be considered a good life if the alternative is death and slavery. It's a good life. The school that my kids are in, regardless of the things that I like or don't like about it, if the alternative is death and slavery then that school situation is a good life. The food that we have, simply being fed, having any amount of food in our bellies, God providing any amount of food to sustain us, is like on the end of the scale over there near kale, as opposed to the alternative, the end where the sewage is, which is death and slavery. The health I have, even with knee pain and blood sugar issues and back pain and skin problems and growing older and wrinkles, It's a good life because the other end of the scale is death and slavery to sin. And anything in this life, the way that God has provided for us, we don't deserve it. It's a gift, even with the suffering, even with the pain. It's a gift. It doesn't hold a candle to or compare at all to what we deserved what the other alternative was, which was death, eternal death and slavery to sin. So when we follow God and the things that he sets up for us to do, when when we look at his plan for us and we look at the things he calls us to in his word, they're not meant to trap us. They're meant to show us his love, right? And take care of us and protect us and help us love others well. It's not actually a trap. It's not actually closer to misery that we have to follow those things that no, his plan and his laws and his commands and his recommendations, they're all 
evidence of his goodness to us. Picture it this way. We know that the good life for a child includes, as as a parent, we know that it includes baths, washing clothes, eating healthy food, getting plenty of rest and exercise. But do our children see it that way? Not usually. They don't understand those recommendations or that they're meant to help them live their best life they possibly can. If they did, they would discover great blessing, right? Health, order from consistently following those guidelines. Uh, They would feel good. They'd be able to find things. But when they don't, and sometimes they choose not to, then their choices bring infection and sickness and chaos and sometimes difficulty enjoying the days that they have available. They're free to choose a lot of times, but as the parent with more experience, we look on and we long for them to choose the things that help them live the most abundantly, that help them live the good life, the the free life that's available for them, which includes following some of those recommendations, right? In fact, we look on and say, oh, why don't you just choose the things that best support you living abundantly? Why don't you just... Why don't you just pick the thing that will make it easier for you? (laughs) Have you ever found yourself wanting to like almost strangle a child trying to talk them into doing something that would be the best thing for them if they would just do it? I think God looks at us that way too. I think he sets out things in his word to protect us, to love us, to show us his goodness, to help us get along with other people well. And we look on it and say, no, it's a trap. Run away. (laughs) But that's not the truth. The truth is it's his love. It's him sharing with us recommendations for how to fully enjoy the good, abundant life that he's given us. So to sum up, the good life is having an option that something other than eternal slavery and death is available. The good life means we're delighted to be out of the cage and we don't long to get back in. And the good life happens when we follow the recommendations that God's put in place for us. That is living the good life, living in abundance, living in freedom, sharing in the goodness that God has set up for us and being able to share it to other people. Now, my question is, are you living the good life right now in the midst of difficulty and I get, yes, difficulty and circumstances and suffering and maybe financial strain, maybe health issues. Um, Even a lot of us are separated from family and friends right now, lonely, uh, overwhelm of all of the responsibilities that you suddenly got to take care of by on your own. But do you see it as the good life, considering that the alternative is slavery? And death. If not, I wonder what part of your perspective needs to shift today. How could you look at it differently so that you can tap into the goodness of God and so that you can share his goodness out with other people? By the way, as a side note, during this time, if you or someone you know could use some practical tips of how to better handle some of the circumstances, or you know, just looking for some encouragement, some on the ground tools to figure some things out right now during a difficult time at the time of this recording. Um, COVID-19 2020 is a big deal and everybody's quarantined. So if you're looking for support that way, I encourage you to go on Facebook and join the Moms in Control group, Moms in Control. It's a free group 
but there's lots of videos in there to encourage you to help you out in really practical ways, whether it be with school or household stuff or figuring out food all of a sudden in a different way or needing to um, just kind of get things in order because suddenly you're living a different life or a different way than you were before. So that's available to you. You can check it out again, totally free, just as a support to you. Go to Moms in Control on Facebook. You can put it in the search bar. All right. Until next week, I will be praying for you to connect with the goodness of God and see this as the good life that he has provided for you. All right. Till next time. Take care. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the Spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?